nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Hi, this is Leanne Meyer, and I am here on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. And our topic today is Alzheimer's, a primer for nurses. Um, The topic of elders losing their mental capacities as they age has been around a long time. In fact, according to the National Institute on Aging, Dementia history dates back to 2000 BC when Egyptian psychiatrists first documented the concept. Who knew they even had psychiatrists at that time? However, it was not until 1797 that the phenomena was given a name from Latin, meaning out of one's mind. The term was first coined by a French psychiatrist, Philippe Pinel. At one point, it was thought to be caused by syphilis, But in 1906, Alzheimer's was identified as the culprit, which it was named after Dr. Aloy Alzheimer, probably murdering that. Today, 47.5 million people worldwide have dementia, but only one in four get diagnosed. Currently, it is the sixth leading leading cause of death. My my, uh, tongue doesn't want to work around here either. Um, So my guest today is Lori LeBay, and she learned about the disease the hard way through her mother's journey with the disease. Today, Lori is a highly sought-after speaker, trainer, and advocate for um, treating Alzheimer's patients, but also support of their beleaguered family members. Um, So Lori, could you uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, Basically, everybody wants to know how I got into it. It was basically like everyone else, through the back door. This isn't something Mm -hmm. most people sign up to do. So my mom had um, dementia starting in her mid-50s. And um, for 10 years, she was told by doctors that it was uh, menopause, was just her hormones, and she knew it was more than that. Um, Mm -hmm. But so many of the doctors and clinics and uh, to this day still don't know how to diagnose properly Mm -hmm. for this disease. And there's a lot of similarities, you know, with depression and hormones and things. So it really is important that people get to a specialist. And so our family really struggled. And, you know, it was almost 35 years ago now since since mom's passed. Um, There were really very, very few places to go for resources. And so um, I got into this because uh, one of the things that I remember saying to myself over and over and over again was, I don't want other people going through what we went through. There's got to be an easier way to connect with resources and to live graciously with this disease. And everybody um, at that time, and we're still shifting this, you know, looks at this as... um, as this life sentence, it's all wrapped around negative negativity. Right. And, you know, right. if we would have listened to the doctors, um, we would have given up on my mom. And my mom lived for 30 years with this disease. Mm. We would have lost a lot of time and a lot of precious moments. And so I'm glad we didn't. So, you know, we try to help people connect with others living with the disease. So some of the resources that, that I developed, um, I developed because I didn't feel that they were there. Um, one of them is our own radio show, Alzheimer Speaks, which was the first of its kind in the world to our knowledge, where we focus strictly on dementia and, and families and, and care partners. And we, we allow all voices to be raised. So people who have dementia, family members, um, businesses, researchers, advocates, um, movie directors, singers, songwriters, because all of us play off one another. And if we're going to get the proper messaging, we have to hear everyone's voice um, and help educate and understand. We also created what's called Dementia Chats, which is a, a video um, interview I do with who I consider the true experts 
those are the people who are diagnosed. And mm-hmm. those are fascinating. People are using them around the world um, for training sessions, you know, to help shift that stigma of a person with dementia is in their is old, is in their end stages, can't communicate. Mm-hmm. And these guys have brilliant insights. And so they're ha- mm-hmm. helping both staff and family. Um, we've done dementia travel. We took a cruise this last year. Um, memory cafes, which um, is a concept that um, I helped bring over from the UK, where those are support groups for people with dementia and their care partners, be it family or a friend, to come together. Um, dementia pulls everyone together, but it takes um, it takes a back seat once we're together because it's mm-hmm. about building camaraderie and helping them get a peer group again because so many people fall right. by the wayside. So there's, there's lots of different resources that we have. Um, I helped launch the first dementia-friendly community in the U.S. Um, the U.S. is really quite far behind all, a lot of other countries really? when it comes to this, and, and we're just getting on board. Um, but it's a very exciting time um, to see all of, the, all of the things that are happening. There's the Purple Angel um, symbol which companies and um, individuals can use it that lumps all dementias together because a lot of times people think it's only Alzheimer's disease mm-hmm. and there's many different types and no one really knows for sure how many types because, mm-hmm. again, our lack of communication and people have multiple types of diseases and the majority of people that I've talked to around the world say, don't separate us. We have more things in common than, than not. And so we're trying to bring um, a normalcy to this. We're trying to remove the fear and educate people in a, in a non-threatening way so that they, can, that they can go out and repeat the conversation and, um, you know, because we can't change anything if we don't have a conversation. So it's very, you know, very, very simple, but it was all based off you know, my mother's um, diagnosis. And um, I could share with you, too, a, a, a specific medical story that might be really helpful to your yeah, audience just, if you'd like me to do that. I, I would, so, but just before we go on, I'm curious, did you have any kind of health care background prior to your mom's disease? Um, you know, I was in health care um, I was in I was in real estate for 25 years before I came into this, and then prior to the real estate, I was in healthcare. I worked in the group home industry with the developmentally disabled, but I'm not okay. a social worker. I'm not a nurse. I don't have any medical degree um, whatsoever. I was just a concerned daughter. Yeah, and you said that the process of her disease went 30 years. How long has it been since she died? She died in 2014. Oh, so just two years ago. Mm-hmm. But it seems like, like you said, it does seem like things are going faster now. Is it because there are more people in the United States being diagnosed, or what do you think has kind of speeded up the process? Um, in terms of process, um, I, I just want to clarify what you mean by that in terms of okay. support help. Um, yeah, I was thinking in terms of research and concern about it. I mean, for a long time, it just seemed like it was on a back burner somewhere. And then well, you, you think, hear yeah. so much more about it now. Well, I think it's because, like everything else, the squeaky wheel, you mm-hmm. know, um, gets the attention. And families and people with dementia are standing up and saying, you know, we're not taking this anymore. This is This is one of the fastest growing diseases out there and it's underfunded and underserved and it's going to bankrupt our our, uh, our country. I mean, really? they've said that over and over and over again and we need to come together and really get that village concept going. And so communities um, have joined forces. I've been involved with, with many dementia-friendly communities and it's just exciting to see what's happening out there. And, you know, the, they're getting the news involved. They're, they're networking with people. And people who are getting involved in these movements are bringing their networks in. And so, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's not, um, it isn't all fund-driven. 
Mm-hmm. It's educational driven. It's about building community. It's about common goals. And whatever is good for dementia is good for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it is really common sense. It's a, I think it's a bringing back a sense of community that we've lost and a respect and a, and a patience for, um, you know, all of us being different. One of the, um, with Stephen, Dr. Stephen Post um, talks about, you know, not disabilities, but different abilities. And we mm-hmm. all come to the table with different abilities from the day we're born, and that doesn't change. And we have to accept that and realize that there's gifts wrapped in all of our different abilities. Right, right. and even new ones that we find uh, when the ones we've used in the past are no longer accessible. So tell me about your um, uh, person that you were going to mention. Okay, well, with, with my mom, for example, she was having difficulties. She went in for her physical. She told her doctor, doctor poo-pooed it to, um, to just her hormones. About two weeks after her, her physical, um, as a family, all of us girls go Christmas shopping, and we would always go to her mall. And my mom, literally, you could blindfold her, give her a list, and put her in the mall, and she'd come out with everything <laughs> on that list. And this year... She did not want to enter any of the stores. She just sat out on the bench. She was very confused. We weren't sure if she had a stroke or what was going on. We brought her home. She kept repeating herself. I mean, she was just so overstimulated. Yet, again, we didn't know that because we hadn't seen uh, seen this happen to this extent. Um, came home, I talked with my dad. I said, Dad, something's really, Mom's really changing. And she confided in both myself and my dad. Um, we were really the only two that she had told. Um, and my, um, my sister-in-laws were kind of keeping my mom busy. And my dad said, yeah, can you call the doctor tomorrow and just tell them what's going on? It's definitely, we, we've, we're definitely seeing a shift here. And so, and he asked me to do that because back then they had party lines, and my and yeah. my mom, if my dad was on the phone, my mom would also pick up the other line. Mm-hmm. And so, um, he didn't want her to hear the conversation because he knew it would be upsetting. Even though she kept telling us, "I've got mm-hmm. Alzheimer's," and how she really? knew that, we'll never know because mm-hmm. that no one talked about it back then. So I called, and I talked. Of course, I couldn't get through to the doctor. I talked to the nurse. And the nurse at that time said, I can't talk to you. And I said, I know HIPAA, and yes, Mm -hmm. you can. You cannot give me information, but you can hear it. And all I'm asking you to do is to listen and to follow up. Mm -hmm. And so I I described the whole situation, and I said, there's a real easy follow-up. All you have to do is have the doctor call back and say, Dorothy, you know, I was talking with colleagues. Why don't you come back in? And we're just going to check on this a little bit a little bit more because my mom had already put it out on the table. And, again, the doctor had poo-pooed it. Instead, the nurse called back the next day, and she told my mom that I called and that our whole family thought she had Alzheimer's, which is not what I said at all. I said, my mom thought she had Alzheimer's. We don't know what's going on. We're concerned. My, that, that threw my mom over the edge. She locked herself in the bathroom. She was sobbing. We could hear her going through the medicine cabinet. My dad actually had to call me in. My dad could handle any situation. When I got there, he looked like a wet noodle. He didn't know what to do with my mom. Um, they were just very lucky my mom did not try to commit suicide she was really close she was devastated and it was so handled so wrongly on so many levels Uh and then they couldn't even get her in for testing for like three months and and then she's got that hanging over her head and then when they did bring her in all they did was a 10 question test and my mom happened to have a good day and she could answer all the questions, and then mm-hmm. she didn't want to talk about it anymore. And mm-hmm. so they shut down um, the ability to even find the answers because of the way mm-hmm. it was handled. People wow. have to understand how, how devastating that this is and really deal with it with, with kid gloves and in a respectful fashion. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, to this day, we, we as a family do not feel that that was done in any fashion. Yeah. Um, that sounds like um, how people used to hear about cancer, you know, and cancer mm-hmm. was the C word. It was absolute death. And, you know, people for even long after they were able to do things to help cancer still saw that as cancer is the death sentence. Yeah. Let's, um, let's take a break here um, before we get started on another topic. And uh, so this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I'm here today, we're talking about Alzheimer's, a primer for nurses. And I'm here with Lori LeBay. And we will return in just a couple of minutes. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives, but most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host Ray Lynch, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Hope is in your corner. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, uh, exploring the world of nursing. And this is Leanne Meyer. Uh, Today I'm talking with Lori LeBay, and she has been working with Alzheimer's for as long as, let's see, it would be 32 years now, when her mother um, first had Alzheimer's, and then she taught herself because there really wasn't a lot going on. We were just talking about her mother's situation, and um, so I'm thinking maybe if we could talk a little bit about the basics of dementia. Um, it seems like from what I understand, dementia is kind of being, uh, everything's being lumped under that one term. And so I think it's confusing for people what, what are the different kinds of dementia. Well, I can't even tell you all the different kinds because there are, there are literally um, over 100 different types. But the most wow. common are... Alzheimer's disease, Lewy body, vascular, FTD, and then we're hearing more and more about CTE, which is the concussion one. Oh. And and so, but a lot of times people can have more than one, or you'll hear the word MCI, or um, you'll hear early onset Alzheimer's disease mm-hmm. as well. And and both of those are kind of, or um, MCI is kind of a precursor. 
um, and they don't know enough about it yet, but they think, well, you're starting to have some neurological changes, and mm-hmm. it, it may be it may lead to that uh, to, to more dementia or not. They're they're just not quite sure. People mm-hmm. can still typically function. Many are still driving during that point. Um, a lot of people think that dementia is only memory based, mm-hmm. but it's it's more than just not being able to remember words or or losing something. It's about planning. It's about um, not being able to recognize people, places, and things. There can be um, a spatial issues. There can be um, confusion on many different levels, overstimulation of of um, it could be it could be lights, it could be sounds, it could be crowds, um, Louis body, and and again, I'm not going to go into any of these real deep because I'm not a medical professional, but they can have changes in uh, body changes with temperature, with with blood pressure, um, can be signs for them. They can be very uh, very clear for days, and then it'll just hit them maybe for a day or three or four where they're just totally confused, and then they'll come mm-hmm. out of it and be perfectly fine. Vascular dementia and kind of those you know mini strokes um, mm-hmm. that can happen can affect people as well. So, And then frontal temporal lobe is typically more, um, you'll see more behavioral changes, um, personality mm-hmm. changes in people. Um, but again, they all overlap so much. And so when we use the word dementia, dementia itself is not a disease, it's a category. And then mm-hmm. underneath dementia, if you look at it as an umbrella, every spoke will have different types of dementias on it. And they, we really don't know the full patterns of any of these yet because, again, it's only been around that we know of a little over 100 years. And we haven't we haven't paid that much attention to it, and so one of the goals nowadays is to get more people into clinical trials, and and participate, and that is both people diagnosed and family members because they need their information mm-hmm. on what they're seeing, as well. But um, most people around the world want us to use the word dementia versus naming things a certain disease. Oh, okay. There, there's also different tests that can be done, you know, one is one to three, one's one to four levels, one's one to seven levels, and people with dementia say all the time, don't, don't address me as a stage of a disease. Right. I'm a person first, and understand that whatever stage I'm in now, I may go through all seven stages during my day, just like mm-hmm. we don't stay in one emotional sure. state all day we vary mm-hmm. we have different triggers and and to understand really understand that so um you know this isn't a disease to be afraid of this is a disease where people can live still very good lives with it um mm-hmm. again if there's support for it around them mm-hmm my mother is 90 and we just had put her into um, an independent living and so many of the people are like rotating through this you know in and out but um, to a person everyone that I've talked to that their family or the doctors or whoever thought that they should be tested for Alzheimer's they're so angry they're furious and um, mm-hmm. why are they sending me for these dumb tests and why do I need to do this and and they're treating me like a child and those kinds of things so what would be a better way of approaching uh, like you are talking about that your your mother was approached very poorly very bluntly very with non-truths blaming you or the family um, for her calling Um, what what else could be done well, one of the things that's being instituted now is, you know, our brain is our biggest asset, but it hasn't, it hasn't been um, reviewed regularly on a physical. So, for example, kids now are asked, you know, are they abused or are they using chemicals, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, suicide, uh, you know, just kind of little tickler questions. They're starting to integrate that into older adults in their physical style and, and just asking about, 
you know, are you having problems finding your words? Um, you know, are your sleeping patterns changing? Because that can be a sign. Um, lots of different questions they're just throwing out there so that mm-hmm. it's a more natural process right. versus a degrading one. Right. And the other problem that we have with, the, with our medical profession is a lot of doctors aren't even telling people, even though they know they've got dementia, they're not telling them because they don't feel they have the resources to support them. So okay. one of the exciting things that is, is happening, and it's just in beta testing right now, there is a, um, a, uh, a group called Prevalence here actually in Minnesota that has developed what's called a Care to Plan resource directory, and you can find that on my website, alzheimerspeaks.com. And NIH and Mayo Clinic are some major um, contributors to that. Um, along with it will have housing options, it will have educational information in different modes from, from blogs like Alzheimer's Speaks blogs to radio shows to newsletters to YouTube mm-hmm. training videos, um, all kinds of different things, information on medications, um, inter- um, resource um, things. So maybe it will be bigger clocks that um, yeah. they will have the date and time mm-hmm. and day on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so all, all kinds of things like that will be available. So we, we want to get those into the hospitals and the clinics so that when someone is diagnosed, they can print out a few of them and say, here, you can go to this and find more information. It will have information on support groups and um, a lot of social media things that people can can get into, um, mm-hmm. I think, which will help a lot as well. Sure. Um, are people in the, in uh, Minnesota using that? Is it already being yeah, used? Yeah, it, it'll be. It, this will be a national thing, and uh-huh. it's in beta testing. So there's there's places like with Alzheimer Speaks, you can t- you can get our information and use it around the world. But it might be okay. stuff you'll be able to geo search. Um, so let's say you're in California, but you have a loved one in Minnesota. You're trying to help. You'll be able to to zone in and do that research versus going to Google. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going to be pretty cool. People, it'll eventually be able to share files and take notes, and um, it'll have great information um, on it there. Another resource that's a, a really good one is called the Roberto app, where um, people can sign up to do kind of a video, play video games, but it measures huh. brain performance in uh-huh. different areas. And sometimes people are having difficulties because they haven't slept. Um, they're not sleeping good. Maybe they're mm-hmm. dehydrated. Um, maybe their eating um, isn't um, isn't where it should be. Maybe they've got a medication ca- ca- um, that are uh, contraindicated you know, mm-hmm. between one another, and so they can bring this information to the doctor and share that with them, um, and and kind of see where they're at with things. So there's a lot of really cool things that are that are happening um, that will. I think really supports families um, very, very well. There's also um, on my site, alzheimerspeaks.com, you can, or on the blog, you can download some helpful tips that I think would be really helpful for the, um, for the medical professionals and especially the nurses because there's a number one, you know, um, connection there with the patients. And, you know, we always say smile and stay calm because that mm-hmm. helps everybody through the process, realizing quiet environments are better. So sometimes all this background music isn't good yeah. for a person with dementia um, okay. because it, it confuses them. Um, approaching somebody from the front and when you're speaking with them, making sure that you're looking at them and that they can read your lips because most will say they had no idea how much they read lips before. Um, really? Speaking a little bit slower, but not too slow because that really irritates them. <laughs> but they say speak in their in their pace in which they're talking, and yeah. then use shorter sentences mm-hmm. and be careful with questions. Um, you know, it's kind of like even when we go out for dinner. You know, the waitress will say just even the the soups or the salad dressings and. I've lost it myself after three, you know, and it's like, yeah, right. kind of like you know, where beverages. So right. make, make the choices short and concise. 
Um, mm-hmm. Try to encourage them to have somebody with them at the doctor if they don't, and mm-hmm. because they're not going to remember most mm-hmm. likely everything that was said, or take detailed notes and write them down for them. Um, mm-hmm. Read their nonverbals because they might be saying they understand, but you're going to pick up on their nonverbals that they that they don't, or maybe they're getting agitated, or maybe they're becoming withdrawn. And a lot of times people withdraw when they feel they're not being heard. Um, For example, if they come with a care partner, they can feel very um, left out of the conversation if eye contact in all conversation is pointed to their care partner and they're not included. Um, Then they're going to withdraw and either be sad and feel less than or they're going to become angry, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Using a sense of humor um, and laughter is always always good, and um, you know just being conversational, including them, uh, giving them an opportunity to speak, even mm-hmm. if they don't answer, um, throwing the question to them first is helpful, and then getting information from the care partner to fill in um, can be really good. Guiding them. Um, to a restroom or to the lab um, mm-hmm. is is very respectful. Guiding them out of the room afterwards, a lot of times mm-hmm. they'll say they they can't they can't see the sign down the hall because they can't. A lot of them have right. more tunnel vision and things. Sure. And so, just kind of those extra hands on or how appointments are even being made in a clinic mm-hmm. or a hospital is really important to look at. You can't call somebody and expect them to remember, you know, that they're supposed to come in if you're giving a person with dementia that information. So um, they need to start looking at who else is in the loop so that mm-hmm. communication is, is done well. Um, mm-hmm. What else can I tell you? That the memory chip is also a tool we have that is um, very let's helpful. Let's wait on that. We're, we're coming up against a break here. So let's wait and talk about that when we come back mm-hmm. from the break. So okay. this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and I'm so thrilled to have Lori LeBay with me. Uh, she's done a ton of work, and she has... Um, resources that are out there for nurses, families, patients themselves that can be accessed. So we'll come back in just a couple of minutes and talk about that again. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-294. 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives, but most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host Ray Lynch, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Hope is in your corner. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. 
listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and I'm here today with Lori LeBay, and she has had quite a history with Alzheimer's, partly from the start of her own mother's um, disease process, and then learning about it and now sharing it with other people. Uh, she's also a little bit of a celebrity. She's been on Oprah and Dr. Oz for two, two uh, areas that I know about. Uh, before the break, we were just talking about um, little tips on how you can do things, especially nurses can do things to help uh, people who have dementia, various different kinds, but also of Alzheimer's. So I was wondering, uh, Lori, if you could talk a little bit about words. How do words impact and um, what are some good or better ways of, of um, talking with patients with dementia? Sure. First, I want to clarify, I wasn't on Oprah and Dr. Oz. I was recognized by both of them. So oh, for Dr. okay. For, for Dr. Oz, I was recognized as the number one influencer online uh, by Dr. Oz and ShareCare. And Oprah, just this last uh, January, I was recognized as uh, one of 14 health heroes um, wow. that she that she deemed. So um, just clarifying there. Thank Words, you. So I appreciate our, that. Our, are extremely important. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the word behavior, uh, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, what the medical profession typically uses, and that is what families typically call a reaction that doesn't fit into our box. And we really need to look at um, those behaviors as, as true reactions or signals. And I have an equation that I use that I, I truly believe every single person on this planet uses this equation, and that is that our past experiences plus our current attitude um, create our perceptions, and our perceptions trigger our reactions. And so when a reaction isn't meeting our expectations or our belief, it's because we have a different history. But it does make perfect sense if we put on that little investigative hat. And when we decide that it's not so much a behavior, but that it's a trigger or a signal, a lot of times we can figure out what's causing that and we can get rid of it. So it could be somebody being in a strange environment. Let's say they're in the hospital. And all of a sudden, these behaviors are happening. Well, their reactions to being in a scary place where they don't know anybody and where there's a lot of strange sounds and, um, you know, a whole different environment. And that can really throw them for a loop um, big time. We also, um, you know, need to stop uh, with the corrective care, telling, th- telling them, no, that's not right, mm-hmm. and using more of a compassionate care and really focusing on how they feel, not this right or wrong stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to look at our successes instead of failures. A lot of times people are so afraid to fail trying something new with someone with dementia where we lose the opportunity for um, developing some great joys or finding out great knowledge um, by using a different mode than what we have. Um, other words that, that people really don't like are being, uh, being told that they are victims or sufferers. Um, people diagnose, say, you know, I'll tell you if I feel like I'm a victim or I'll tell you when I'm suffering, but I'm not suffering all the time. You know, especially in early to mid stages, they're mm-hmm. focusing on living life well. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, be careful of those words. Also, um, we use the word person-centered a lot. I would like us to see relationship-based care really be our focus getting to know one another. And and when I mean relationship-based, I mean we both have input into what's going on. 
we both can change our mode, realizing that a lot of times a person with dementia will mirror back our attitude. So if we have a, if we put on our Stepford face smile, but we still have an attitude, they're going to read our nonverbals and they're going to pick up on that and they're going to mirror it back. And a lot of times we get mad at them for having an attitude when they were perfectly fine before we walked into the room. And so understanding how that works or, you know, with families, we call them caregivers, which says Mm -hmm. they are giving care, but they're not getting anything back. If Mm -hmm. we can start using words like care partner and care companion, that puts them back in relationship that allows them to to live well together and still have a life instead of just being a caretaker. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and you know, our words impact our outcomes and our expectations. So it's very important for us to, um, to use proper language that makes people mm-hmm. comfortable. What about support for um, care partners, especially if it's the spouse? when they become exhausted or that um, they don't really have time to focus on their own life, they're they're 24 hours a day, feel like they're focused on the partner. Is there anything that can help them with that? Well, there is respite care, and a lot of times people don't want to tap into it, and that might be like an adult day program. That's Mm -hmm. something I'd like to see that verbiage change too because adults don't want to feel like they're going to daycare. Right. And so um, some, like in Canada, they are calling uh, one of their adult days a health, a health club. And <laughs> it, it right. looks and it feels more like a health club um, mm-hmm. for adults than an adult day. Um, there are communities that will take somebody for, let's say, a week so that they can take a break. You can get in home health care so that maybe you just want to go get a massage or maybe you just want to take a nap. Yeah. and um, be able to sleep and they'll come in and maybe help with the laundry or or just take them out and maybe they'll go for a drive or go to a movie or go out to eat, depending on where they're at. Um, learning to ask for help. None of us are very good about asking for help because we all want to be independent. And so one of my favorite stories was this little lady whose husband had dementia and her friend knew that she was really getting tired. And she, you know, she's like, why don't you tell people what they could do? Everyone's asking and you keep saying it's okay. Mm-hmm. And she says, I know it's not okay. So she bought her friend a deck of, um, of index cards. And she said, I want you to go home tonight. And you write down all the different things that somebody could do. If it's going to get your mail, if it's buying groceries, if it's um, taking you or him out for coffee or... Um, cutting the grass or shoveling the snow or helping with laundry. I don't care what it is. You write one item down on each card. And she said, next Sunday when we come to church and people ask, I want you to give them a task. Because what you don't realize is, A, you need help, but B, it empowers people to help one another. It makes them feel good. And so you're denying that to others by saying no. So that next week, she went in to the um, to church, and um, at that time, and she oh, she went into church, and um, somebody asked her, and she pulled out a card, and it, that was life changing for her, and yes. it was um, it was really really empowering. But understanding that people want to help, and and in letting them in. And that's something really hard because we've gotten away from that sense of community. Sure. Um, speaking of, well, let's first um, talk about the memory chip. I haven't heard about that. Okay. The, the memory chip, actually, I designed for myself because I was finding that I wasn't always the gracious daughter my mom deserved. <clears throat> and there were times where my mom would repeat herself 40 times in 10 minutes and I couldn't make a game of it, and I was, and I got short with her, and I was being, I was using corrective care. No, mom, we're not going to the doctor till tomorrow, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever it was, mm-hmm. and I would feel so bad. So I thought I have to change something, and I was, 
I was a typical person out there. I had a family. I worked full-time. I volunteered. I was caring for my dad who had brain cancer, my mom with dementia. Um, and t- most of us don't give anything up. We just add on. And so I, I, I ran my life by my, my, by my checklist. And everything on my checklist, um, you know, I thought was for my mom. So what I decided was I had to not focus on the task. I had to focus on three simple things. Um, was she safe, was she happy, and was she pain-free? And when I did that, when I made those things my priority, I realized I didn't have to do everything on my list. I realized I could do things in a different time frame or a different way on my list, and I allowed us to have a relationship first. And I know people will say in a professional world, well, that's not possible, but it is. It Mm -hmm. is possible to still be pleasant and not just be driven by task. And, and it's mm-hmm. as simple as sitting down and just taking an extra breath and smiling and maybe saying an extra sentence. I, I also realized that I needed to um, enter a room and exit a room with my mom in the same fashion so that I would have the same tone of voice, I would use the same touch, um, even colognes, all of those things, because that is, you're building the multi-sensory connections by doing that. And it's much, much easier for them to remember and to connect and to know that you are a friendly, good person. Uh, Say that in a little, uh, show it to me, I guess. Uh, You said to enter and leave a room the same way. So Mm -hmm. um, you mean just like at their apartment? Are you talking about when you're going to the doctor? Um, I'm not quite visualizing that. I I get the cologne, but I'm not quite sure about going. Okay. So this could be used for family or friends. So for for family, you know, typically they're going to want to, you know, top of mind for them is they want their person to know that they love them. For mm-hmm. professionals, it's it's that I'm here to support you. So how do you know saying those words isn't enough? We have to show it through our body language. We have to use um, like again the same tone of voice, the same kind of rhythm, because that it that gets embedded in our memories. And the more touch points we can have with that multisensory, in terms of building a routine in terms of what is said and what is done will make them more comfortable each and every time. Wow, that's great. I, I guess I wouldn't have thought of that, but yeah. Yeah. The, the last thing um, on the memory chip, that safe, happy, and pain-free was like life-changing, and it has been. A lot of um, neurologists in their clinics are using that with families, and it's really bringing them back to how they want to care. And we get so tied up in the tasks, and and professionals Mm -hmm. do too. You know, they got to do their job. But, you know, most people in the profession and and who are giving care to others are there because they want to be. They like having that relationship. So it's about bringing everyone back into relationship. The second thing that, that I think we... We do wrong a lot in community, and um, and again, that's families and professionals, is we focus on the negative. So a lot of times families will hear from professionals, um, the medications got screwed up, somebody fell and got hurt, there's a scratch, there's a bruise, something's missing. And we're not communicating moments of joy. And by communicating moments of joy, that could be just, Gosh, your mom had the sweetest little giggle when we were mm-hmm. talking about this. Or she's got brilliant eyes or a wonderful smile. Those things can be life-changing for those care partners because that humanizes your relationship with their loved one that they're caring for. Mm-hmm. And for professionals, again, it, it just changes the whole work mode of what they're walking away with on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we live in such a fast-paced world that we, we forget many times um, those moments of joy, those little, little things that make a big difference. 
Yeah, and I think along with that is the things we don't say to one another. You hear it at every single funeral. Somebody will say, oh, I wish I had told them. I wish I had said. I wish we had done. I wish, you know, all these different things. And it's like, you know, just bringing us back to this is the moment, no matter what the moment is. Um, yep. You know, to, to remind ourselves maybe when we're going to see the person that I haven't told her I loved her in a while. Yep. Very important. Another thing that um, is really helpful, again, is I can't stress enough, is for um, nursing staff and, and medical professionals to have a good chain of communication and to really encourage a person with dementia to bring in somebody with them. If that can be a consistent person, that's great. Yes. And to be able to have yes. a line of communication prior to an appointment so that mm-hmm. they can email or fax information for the doctor to review. Because right. so often what happens is um, the, the family's concerns that they're seeing that they know need to be addressed are being brought up by the family. And then that creates great conflict of, you know, okay. you, you know, you're just trying to get my money. You're, you know, you don't think mm-hmm. I, I'm more independent than you think I am, and that's not mm-hmm. an issue. Where if the doctor can talk about and bring up driving, that this is mm-hmm. just part of it instead of the family saying this isn't safe anymore, that makes a huge, huge transition in terms of how things are handled. Lori, we're, it up we're and, down to the end of the show. I can't believe it. It always goes so fast. Is there uh, one last thing, or maybe that was the last thing that you wanted to share with nurses going out of the show? We have about uh, a minute. Yeah, I would say, you know, um, go to alzheimerspeaks.com. We have a ton of information. I would encourage uh, you and your, your clinics or hospitals wherever you're working to become dementia-friendly. We have programs to help you through that as well as others do, and I'd be glad to direct you with that and um, ease that process for you and create a better environment for your clients. That's perfect. I'm glad you re, you know, re, uh, said that again. You had mentioned it in the beginning, but again, I'm glad we got to say it now. So we are at the end of our time, and I really am glad that I was able to talk with you. And um, So this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and I've been here with my guest, Lori LeBay, and uh, we've been talking about Alzheimer's. Thank you so much, and perhaps we could have you back another time. I would love to. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.